guys, it's Jean here, and welcome to the Fesh Fit Podcast, where we talk about all things strength, conditioning, technique, and mindset to help you crush your dancing goals. Today, we are going to be talking about coming back from injuries. I'm bringing on a very special guest, FeshFit athlete Colleen. And when I met Colleen, she was just getting back into dancing from a pretty severe Achilles injury, which I'll have her talk about more in a bit. And the reason I want to bring her on is that there's a lot of information out there about preventing injuries and treating injuries from a physical standpoint, but we don't really go into any of the mental challenges of coming back from injuries or what the full recovery process actually looks like on a day-to-day basis. But first, real quick, if you guys could hit pause and rate and review this podcast, that would be extremely helpful. Obviously, if you're driving, wait until you stop your car. Don't rate and review and drive. But (laughs) when you give me reviews and when you rate the podcast, it helps me grow the podcast, which helps me be able to continue to provide free value. So when you have a minute, real quick, rate, review, and then keep listening. All right, let's dive in. Thanks so much for joining today, Colleen, and welcome to the show. Since not everyone listening knows you yet, Colleen, where are you from? And then how did you get into Irish dancing? So I'm from Rochester, New York. So Western New York, not the cool part. Most people are like, oh, you're from New York. No, it's six hours west of New York City. But, you know, we have our merits. And I'm aging myself here. So in the fall, I will have been dancing for 26 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And since we're talking about your story of coming back from an injury, can you first tell us what happened exactly when you got injured? Sure. So I've only had, my claim to fame seems to be injuries on major stages. So my first injury was in 2015 at the Mid-Atlantic Eraptus. I ended up breaking my right fifth metatarsal. This will come in handy when we talk later. Danced on it twice, which I really don't recommend doing. And then, and then I went to the ED. So fast forward five years later in 2020, I was at the All-Irelands and I had had terrible right-sided tendinosis, tendinosis actually, probably since, you know, mid 2019 that I was dealing with, you know, significant amount of pain, probably should have been competing at the All-Ireland. I'm like, it's fine, you know, no big deal. I'll just, you know, get through it. You know, did the hornpipe, was good to go. Round one was happy with it. Round two, I, you know, went on stage, pointed my toe, started going. At the end of the right foot of the lead, I kind of came out of a Kira Sexton jump wrong. And this is what my friends really noticed. Obviously, I was in the zone. I remember I landed landed kind of harshly and thought, ooh, that didn't, that didn't feel great. Let's keep on going. Kept on going and then made it to the middle step right foot. And all of a sudden, I got this terrible, sharp pain where I just, like, it took my breath away and I had to stop. So they brought me off stage and I happened to be at the end of the round. So, you know, there's always that, you know, urgency, like, okay, get back up there. Are you okay? You know, you're fine. Oh, you know, it's good. And I remember thinking, you know, this doesn't really feel right. I'm getting this terrible tingling in my left side. feels like a Charlie horse or a muscle cramp. I don't know what this is, but it's, it's, you know, I don't feel like it's broken. Let's, you know, go back out there. So went out for the redance, went to point my toe to start, went up on point, you know, at count eight. And then I heard this terrible boom. And I remember coming down and looking back and being like, are we under attack at the Glen Eagle? Did, did something happen? Like, wh- where did that come from? Oh my gosh. And then I realized it was me. I made the boom. <laughs> and, I, 
I didn't know what was wrong, but all I knew was that something was terribly wrong. And I had people in the audience to kind of, you know, back this. I just kind of shook my head from the starting point and like hobbled off stage. (laughs) Gosh, I'm like wincing listening to this right now. (laughs) I'm sure everyone right now is like driving, you know, everyone's like, oh, geez. Did you know, so when it first happened, did you just know like immediately that something was like way off? I knew something was terribly wrong. And when I walked myself off the stage, which I don't know how I did because technically my calf was not attached to my foot. Don't know how that that happened. I went into what I would call like an out-of-body experience mode. Apparently I went like completely catatonic, was like barely paying attention to anyone. But I just knew that the best way I can describe it is it felt like TV fuzz. Like, you know, when you're changing a channel, you know, I'm again, aging myself, but you know, when there's Netflix isn't working, you're getting like, you know, we need to reload your program. That's basically what my leg felt like. Something felt terribly wrong, but I didn't know quite what, but I knew I was in big trouble. So what happened next then? Did you go to the hospital right away? No, this is my friends and I can't laugh about this yet. Maybe, you know, in a few years we'll laugh, but essentially um, there were some EMTs on site that did some, you know, basic evaluation and their uh, comment was that at least in my experience, they like you to get a referral to the emergency department from a physician first. So they had to book me in to kind of like, you know, like a, a primary doctor Now, this is Saturday in Ireland, and I think I hurt myself about one o'clock in the afternoon, and EMTs were calling around like, okay, you know, we can get you an appointment at four o'clock. And I go, what? Like, yeah, you know, just hang around and, you know, you can go to the doctor. (laughs) Now, mind you, there's no wheelchair for me yet. You know, my dance stuff is all over the place and I can't walk by myself. So thankfully, a whole bunch of people were, you know, like gathering all of my things and making sure that, you know, I had stuff back in my hotel room. And then I was driven to, you know, five minutes down the road to the local doctor. And he basically was like, well, I can tell you, you know, based on this one test called the Thompson test, that it looks like your Achilles is ruptured. You should probably go to the hospital. And so then I asked, okay, well, you know, what, what are my options? And they do have some orthopedic urgent cares in Ireland, but he's like, yeah, it's 30 minutes down the road and they close in 29 minutes. Okay, fine. Um, So we decided that we were going to go to the hospital. So if I needed an MRI or a CT, that it was all under one roof. So again, went back, you know, changed clothes, all of that. And then we drove an hour to Tralee to the Cary General Hospital, where we spent, I think, the next eight hours of our lives kind of hanging out in the waiting room. Jeez. Were you pain like did the pain subside at all during that time? Or were you just like dying the entire day? So the good news is is when you rupture your Achilles, um, in the moment, that's the most amount of pain. I only felt pain for the first 25 minutes or so because sorry to everyone who's driving, but like your nerve endings kind of die off and that's the pain you feel just from that severed connection. Besides that, you're generally not in any pain, which was great. I, I did appreciate that. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay. I mean, still not, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting eight hours in a waiting room though, like in terrible, terrible pain. So at least you weren't in a ton of pain during that. Okay. So you went to the hospital, you're in Ireland during that. Then when you came back to the States, like how did that recovery process even start? So in Ireland, they had splinted me. They, the one attending thought I was living there. I go, oh no, I'm, I'm going back home. Um, and the joke was, they're like, oh, you know, we'll finish your holiday. You know, you can, you know, drive around. You didn't, you know, hurt your driving foot. And I go, no, I need to go have surgery. 
There's two ways you can treat a rupture. You can treat it non-surgically or you can get the surgery. And just because being a dancer and knowing other people who have ruptured, we know what kind of you know, G forces we put on our, our, our bodies and bones. And so it didn't make sense to kind of trust my own body. <laughs> it took a long time for my fifth metatarsal break to heal because I have, you know, additional thyroid issues. And I thought, you know what, we're going to get some proper stitching. So I don't think this is a good thing or a bad thing, but everyone at the orthopedics department knows me quite well. So I, when I, I had messaged one of my providers prior to arriving home. And he's like, you know, call this urgent care number. We'll get you in. So essentially I arrived home like February 25th and uh, went to urgent care and they reconfirmed what I already knew. And then basically got me on the booking sheet for surgery. And so I had the surgery on March 3rd of 2020. And that's basically when your recovery process starts is when it's actually like surgically reattached. Okay. Gotcha. And then how long did the full recovery process take? Uh, I would say I'm still recovering now, um, to be honest. But in terms of like the, you know, the main highlights you're looking for early on, um, essentially for two weeks following the surgery, there's obviously no, you know, weight put on that foot whatsoever. I mean, you know, completely immobilized in a splint and on crutches. So I had um, the stitches taken out the day that New York State actually shut down because of the pandemic. So I was one of the only urgent appointments allowed in. So that was March 16th of 2020. And then from there, what they do is wait an additional two weeks. And then you start weight bearing very slowly. So I'm looking at my notes here. I think um, it must have been a week. So March 23rd, 2020, I was allowed to put 25% of my body weight on that left foot. And that increased by week. So I was going from two crutches and a boot to, you know, one crutch. And then finally, you know, just walking in a boot by myself around mid-April of that, of that year. Um, but you also have these heel lifts because they want your tendon to heal, you know, properly and not long, especially for dancers, because if it heals long, you're not going to ever bounce the same way again. Um, so there are also heel lifts and things like that. So the hardest part really was in March and April because, you know, it was very nerve wracking to, you know, put any sort of weight on the foot. And also we were in the middle of the pandemic at the beginning. So I had, you know, basically all the orthopedic, you know, offsites were ghost towns. I couldn't get a hold of anyone. And so actually one of my friends who's a physical therapist in Ohio, she would get on a, a FaceTime call with me every week and watch me walk because I was so nervous to do it by myself. Yeah. And so I'd have someone watching me making sure that I was, you know, walking properly and with the right weight distribution. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> wild timing. I mean, good in the sense we didn't really miss out on much, but not great in the sense that everything was shut down. Um, no, and it, it made it really hard because I mean, I basically, I live in a second floor studio apartment with a lot of stairs and oh. with the pandemic being the pandemic, you know, it wasn't like people were coming over to visit because we didn't know, you know, the transmission of, of COVID. And so I had like a friend run in to like, help me take my garbage out or, you know, help me get my packages upstairs. Otherwise I'm crawling up and down the stairs by myself. Cause that's all I could do. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I know we talked a lot about the physical side of your recovery. I want to get a little bit more into the mental side. Cause I feel like that's, you know, not talked about a lot and it mm -hmm. is a huge part of being injured and coming back from an injury. What would you say the most challenging part mentally of the recovery process was? For me, I definitely like having control over what I'm doing, where I'm going in all areas of my life. And with 
this recovery, it was the unknown that I think was the hardest because there's so much riding on that tendon healing properly, not only just to dance, but even to walk. So it was just a lot of the, the what if cycle. Well, what if I can't do this? And then what if I don't get the single heel leg raise? Because if I can't, you know, raise my, my left foot, you know, how can I Irish dance? And then just, you know, being, you know, well, how can I get fit again? And, and all of that. And thankfully I had been, you know, talking with my trusted mental health professional for a good two years, you know, prior to the injury. And so it was great to connect with her and, you know, her to tell me, you know, what you're going through is normal. You know, it's okay to be, you know, sad that you can't shower standing up and, you know, all these different things that weren't really Irish dance related. It was more, you know, just functional living. Mm-hmm. I am fiercely independent. And so the fact that I had asked for help for everything, especially in the pandemic, like I couldn't do my own laundry. And for me, it's not shameful to ask for help, but I had a really hard time being like, you know what? I can't do it. I can't crawl down four flights of stairs to the basement. I can't come back up. And so what I really had to do was kind of give myself a pat on the back for like very, what I would seem, you know, random or, you know, insignificant sort of achievements, let's say you know, like for, for walking, oh my gosh, you, you know, carried your coffee cup, you know, without any crutches walking normally. That's wonderful. Good for you. You know, two weeks ago, you couldn't do that. And kind of breaking down all the little achievements and writing them down. That was really helpful. I have a, you know, a notebook from March 16th of 2020, you know, kind of listing out all of these little wins. And when I look back, I'm like, you know what? That was crazy that I couldn't, you know, wash my hair by myself. And now look at me, I've got two hands and I'm washing my hair standing up. It's great. So a lot of that really, I had to change my, my mental thought process to not be so hard on myself and to allow myself the grace and to move through the, what like the stages of grief are, you know, the d- disbelief that this ha- had happened, but you know, what am I going to do about it? Like, you know, you can wallow. I guess there's this one, you know, saying that Beyonce, you know, when she like, something happens to her that's not ideal. She gives herself like 24 hours to wallow and then she has to move on. So if I had a sad day, I try to be like, okay, we're going to wallow, you know, we're going to, you know, get a blanket, get Disney plus, you know, let's watch something, but then let's do something about it tomorrow where before I wouldn't allow myself to feel those feelings. Like you have to tough it through, you know, you're, you're being weak. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being emotional when something so, you know, big had happened and I had to allow myself to feel the feels. So would you say, do you think like you grew emotionally through, like through this whole process? I think so. I think I'm much more patient with myself than, than what I thought to like, I know I can be very patient with other people, but I can't always give myself that sort of patience back. So there's a lot more positive self-talk that I think I had not even, you know, thought about before, particularly because I was on a severe like, exercise restriction. You know, I couldn't bike, I couldn't do any cardio, I couldn't hop. Um, and so the only way I could really, you know, get outside for both just fresh air in a pandemic and, to, you know, to be out and about was to walk and to be like, you know, good for you. You walk 1.2 miles, you, you know, you go Glen Coco, let's go, you know, and just, just being much more positive as opposed to, you know, judging myself for things outside of my control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's crazy. Cause I feel like sometimes in the dance world, it's like, we see positive self-talk is like a soft thing or like that. That's the thing that's going to, you know, make you not as great because you're not being as hard on yourself. When in reality, it's like positive self-talk, like you don't have to be mean to yourself to get better basically. <laughs> and I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes that gets mixed up, but it sounded like it's like you had a really big perspective shift 
on adding in, you know, more positive self-talk. Would you say your perspective of yourself as like a dancer and dancing as a whole changed from pre-injury to like post-injury and through recovery at all? Definitely. I think that between my injury and the pandemic, there is just a, an awakening of like, and it sounds so trite, but like what really matters. So, we, you know, we all then, you know, missing competition or, you know, missing traveling. But what I found was that it was the, the smaller moments that I missed. Now I'm much older than a lot of my teammates, which is totally fine. So when I go to class, you know, you know, I'll make small talk, but I'm not like, you know, sitting with all of my 12 year old friends. It just, it doesn't work that way. But what I missed was like the banter at dance class of the kids talking about school or things they were excited about or things, you know, like even suffering, suffering through stamina drills. Like it was just that joy was all gone because I couldn't do any of it. And I would try to get on when the, everyone was on Zoom and, and follow along, but it was just so hard because it felt like besides my, you know, Achilles being reattached, like I just missed a part of myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what, when I've come back to dancing, I've always been like, and, and I have a practice journal that now I write in before each practice. I kind of, you know, write affirmations and things that I want to work on, but also things that I really enjoyed about dance class. And a lot of them aren't based on like a subjective result, but just on, you know, like something happy that happened in the middle of that and, you know, not making dance so much about, you know, what did I get at this, you know, fashion and this major. And, you know, if I don't get, you know, 15th at this, it means I'm a terrible person. And, you know, just kind of reprioritizing dance and, and what it means, not just from a competitive aspect. Yeah, I love that. I've never heard that of writing down things you just enjoyed about dance class in your practice journal. And I think that's such a smart, that's such a good idea because it is easy to just get caught up in that all dance is, is improve, 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 like push yourself, push yourself, push yourself. And like to forget to really just lean into the moments of dancing for your like pure joy or like all those little things you enjoy in dance class. That is a great piece of advice. Do you have what other, I know you mentioned some, you mentioned keeping a notebook. Um, you mentioned having like days where you kind of just let yourself wallow and then get back up the next day. Is there any other strategies you found helpful for keeping yourself on track during recovery, both physically or mentally? Um, one thing that I did that I found helpful, I know we all hate it, is kind of looking back at old videos. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is go back to even right before I hurt myself and kind of look at myself with like, you know, a set of adjudicator eyes and be like, okay, you know, I was dancing like this prior and I can't control, you know, physically what might happen, you know, in terms of my weaknesses now with my foot, but what do I want to fix? Like, you know, and obviously the internet is great because, you know, you have parades of champions up on YouTube and on Facebook. And so I find myself, you know, watching myself and then watching some of these parades and being like, okay, what do I like about this dancer? How can I incorporate what they're doing in my style? And then kind of visualizing that, putting on, you know, any sort of dance music and going through my steps and being like, okay, this is what I want to do here. This is how I want to emphasize this movement. And, you know, my physical therapist has said the same thing that if you spend a lot of time visualizing, it can aid when you get your shoes back on what you would like to do. So I found that very helpful. And then just kind of looking back at all those goals, whether, you know, they're daily or weekly and being like, well, did I meet it? You know, what is working about this process? What's not working about this process? 
And then I think the other thing that's really important is having that group of friends that you can reach out to and be like, you know, I'm having a really hard day. Can you know just help me talk this through? Thankfully, you know, I have friends all over the world that I can talk to at any hour. So I think for me, the other thing was, again, not being worried about reaching out when I really need help, you know, not, you know, putting myself down for needing to talk to someone, you know, that I can't solve everything by myself and that it's okay to not be okay and to work it out with people who you trust and who, you know, know what you're coming from in the dance world. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. That's such, you have so much good information. If you, I know we're running out of time. So if you could give advice to a dancer right now, listening, who is injured and feeling frustrated and discouraged, what would you tell them? I would focus on what you can do in the moment. Like, for example, when I came back to dancing, I basically called myself a baby fawn. I, you know, I could barely walk, let alone get back to championship level material. So I actually started with a beginner reel and a beginner light jig, and I drilled it and drilled it. And that allowed me to be, to see measurable progress. If I started with championship material, I would have been continually frustrated because of course I'm not going to have the strength. So if you give yourself very like measurable and even goals that you know you can achieve, it's going to give you that confidence to keep on trying harder as opposed to trying, you know, run to the top of the mountain. You know, it it does not work that way. You're only going to get more and more frustrated where if you focus on things that you know are attainable, you know, in a week, you know, even a day, you know, just doing, you know, calf raises, you're doing something that's going to get you on your way. And it also allows you to feel like you have control over the process as opposed to worrying about something, you know, like the erratus in four months or whatever. Am I going to be ready? Well, I don't know, but I know what I can do this week to make sure that I'm on track. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Colleen, for joining the show today. You just provide, my mind's like blown. Everything you said, I was like, oh, I'm taking notes over here. (laughs) Like, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for coming on and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Jean. Bye. Bye.